Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We are continuing a King Jesus series as we head into Easter and really looking forward to where that lands on our Easter weekend in a couple of weeks' time. But today I want to talk about a story that, uh, as I thought about it this week, I reckon there's something in the story today that is going to be one of the most confronting things that we have to face when we choose to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus says at one point, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. What does that actually mean? There's something in the story of Jesus that becomes the story we're invited to, which is about pouring ourselves out for the sake of others. It's so counter-cultural. It's so confronting. It challenges everything that we know, that we love, and that we believe about what we want to do with life and who we want to be and how we want to be seen and how we want to be known and loved. But it just is something that's going to confront all of us this morning. Now, a few years ago, someone on our creative team uh, had the great idea that we were going to do a Father's Day video involving all of the campus pastors and that everyone got to do something different Um, that was going to be a fun video for us to show on Father's Day. I didn't see what everyone else got to do until afterwards, and I'd lucked out in a big way. One of the guys got to play basketball with his son. One of the guys got to uh, lie on the couch and have his face drawn on. That wasn't a lot of fun. But they had this great idea that I should go and get a foot spa, and it'd just be funny. I'd dress up in my good camping gear of my red flannelette shirt, my Akubra hat, read a fishing magazine, and have my feet taken care of. Have a look at the video. Okay, you get get the picture. Someone, the the guys came to me and pitched the idea. They said, look, it's going to be fun. It's going to be funny. I know you're not a foot spa kind of guy, but we're just going to go in. We've spoken to the salon. They're really happy. They know we're doing a setup. We're going to film it and uh, just come. There'll be heaps of us, so it won't be worrying. So anyway, we walk into this place at Garden City I, I find the furthest seat from the door, thinking, I don't care if even if there's a camera crew in there, I don't want to be found in this place. I sit down, and the lady starts kind of, you know, spraying my feet off and putting lotion and stuff on, and the guys are like, just, I'm fully in the acting moment, as you can see, I'm a great actor. <laughs> and anyway, we get about five minutes into this, and Don, who's leading this moment, goes, we've got all we need, um, you finish, enjoy, we'll see you later. And they just nicked off. Right, I'm sitting there with fluffy things in between my toes, pink lotion on, and some lady clipping my nails, and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's too late. Suddenly, it looks like I'm actually there to enjoy myself. I spent the whole time with that fishing magazine up like this, the hat over my face, thinking I am never doing this again. Now, maybe you love the foot spa idea. Maybe you're a bloke and you love the foot spa idea, but I can tell you I got roped into it and I have no desire to go back. There's a few reasons for that. I don't like the thought of people playing with my feet. Like occasionally if I'm really tired and lazy, I'll ask one of the kids just to pull my socks off because I can't quite reach down that far on the recliner. But outside of that, like the thought of a complete stranger playing with my feet. I mean, you can see by that video, I've got pretty good looking feet. But they too get grubby, smelly, get that little bit of toe jam, you know, that kind of... You know what it is. I'm a little self-conscious, and that day I was super self-conscious at having to sit in that seat and have someone play with my feet. 
But I'll tell you what was more awkward for me. Because, if I'm really honest, it was nice for a moment. But the thing that was really awkward was I just felt super uncomfortable without having someone else have to do that. Someone I have no relationship with, someone I've never met before, someone who I hope they never see me again. But I felt super awkward about that relationship. I just don't like the thought of someone having to do that because my feet aren't that wonderful. And having someone that's paid to look after my grubby feet just felt really awkward and vulnerable to me. John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When, they had finished washing their, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, this is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I, I don't know what it is, but I can vividly remember as a young kid in Dubbo Baptist Church turning up to our night service one day and they'd set up rows of chairs on tables with basins and decided that we were going to actually act out in church the washing of each other's feet. Like there is a way to get close with people in church. I thought we could do that this morning, but I thought well, there might be a way to decline the growth of our church. I just, there's something awkward about it. I still have that m- thing burnt in my memory, but foot washing wasn't a foreign concept in Jesus' day. It, it wasn't any more pleasant. It was actually probably least pleasant. You've got to understand that people, as they went from house to house or they went to be, uh, experience the hospitality at someone's house, had been walking in sandals on the dusty roads of ancient Palestine, you know, animal droppings, all of the mess and the grime of life that they walked through. And so when you turned up to someone's house, it wasn't a bottle of hand sanitizer and a hand-washing basin that you were given, it was a foot wash that you needed. I mean, these were, these were men that were sitting at the table with Jesus that weren't walking around wearing nice boots or Nike Air Max. They were walking around in sandals. Their feet would have been hardened and calloused 
with dirt caked on. But in ancient Middle Eastern culture, when you ate, you sat and reclined at the table, a low table. So your feet were way more prominent within the eating space than they would be in our day. So it was hospitality custom that when someone came to your house, as part of welcoming them to your table, you would wash their feet. But you wouldn't wash your feet. You had the lowest and lowliest servant in your household do that task as guests entered your house. So it was a familiar concept and a familiar practice, but it wasn't familiar for the one that was hosting the dinner party to be doing the washing. And this is a night where Jesus is sitting with his disciples sharing a Passover meal the night before he's to be crucified. And as he prepares the hearts of those that are with him for what is ahead, he does two very symbolic things. He shares a meal that he reframes to talk about his crucifixion, and then he washes their feet. And I want us to grasp a hold of the significance of this picture in this moment before he's crucified to understand just the power of what Jesus does. The first thing that we see in the story is that Jesus' decision to wash his disciples' feet is Jesus' decision of what you do with power. Until a few years ago, I'd never quite read the symmetry in this verse. But let me just reread for you again what it says in verse 3. It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. In other words, in this moment, Jesus has a full realisation of who he is and just how much power that he carries. He was with God in the beginning, the Gospel of John tells us. In other words, when the word of creation was spoken and all that we see and know came into being, Jesus was present with the Father in that moment. And on this night at the table with his disciples, it says that he knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Not only that, that he had come from God and was returning to God. Do not underestimate that verse. Jesus had a full realisation of all the power that was available to him. Endless power. So, the Bible says, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. If you want to write down the lesson from this passage, it's this. The greatest application of power is the choice to serve. The greatest application of power is the choice to serve. You know, there's a lot of people in our world that don't have that choice. There was someone stationed at the door of every home waiting to wash someone else's feet. And it wasn't because they decided this is the career that they wanted. It's because of their place in the socioeconomic standings of this culture and of this family or of this setup. That was their job because they were least in the food chain. No young Jewish boy or girl or anyone in the community grew up thinking, my great dream in life is to wash dirty, dusty manure off grown men's feet before they eat dinner. That was no one's career choice. And you know what? There's a lot of people in our world that don't have the choices that you and I have. 
The choice of where to live, the choice of what to put on their table, the choice of education, the choice of healthcare. We in our nation are overwhelmed with choice to the point sometimes of just becoming stagnant in it. But we live in a world where there are so many people that don't have basic choice around basic human necessities. But Jesus in this moment realises that he has all the choice. Yet he wraps the towel around his waist and washes his disciples' feet. You know what? This is so confronting in our culture. Because everything in our culture and in my story and in your story says, what can I do to get ahead so that others can serve me? Many of us start off in our work world making coffee and dream of the day when coffee's made for us. We love to be served. We expect to be served. We actually determine at some point in life that there's jobs that are beneath us and others should have to do them. But Jesus, in a moment, has a full realisation of all the power that God gives him and he chooses to serve. The greatest application of power is the choice to serve. It's the choice to serve. It's ironic in the story that just after this, Peter decides to argue with Jesus. Peter says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing, Pete. And he goes, no, you know, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus answered, no, 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 unless I wash your feet, you've got no part of me. See, Peter does what we do sometimes with each other. Peter says, Jesus, you don't need to wash my feet. There's a servant here to do that. You're beyond that, Jesus. You're more important than that, Jesus. You, you don't have to stoop to that, Jesus. Why would you bother doing that job, Jesus? You shouldn't be doing it. You know, we do this, don't we? And we've got to be careful we don't do this in the church. We see someone walk in and, you know, they're really smart or, you know, they've got a little bit of celebrity attached to them. Maybe someone walks into our church that we've seen on TV or they've succeeded on the sporting field or maybe we know they're just a really generous giver or maybe we know that they're, you know, they're the kind of person that we just love to hang on to. It would be really cool if they were in our church. And suddenly we start saying things like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. We'll get someone else to do that. No, you just come and become, would you like a coffee? How many sugars? White and, like, we, don't worry. The percolated coffee's for the plebs. We've got an Audi machine in our kitchen that will look after you. We all do this. This is something in us that goes, we're going to look after certain people. And Peter just goes, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. You don't wash feet. That is beyond you, Jesus. But Jesus said, Peter, you don't get this. Unless I do this, you, you have no part of me. In other words, Peter, if... If that's the narrative and the trajectory you want to take, you're missing completely what the narrative and the trajectory of the cross is. You know, Peter, when I said, for anyone that comes after me, if they want to follow me, they need to learn to take up their cross. See, the story of Jesus is of self-emptying glory to nothingness, to the very place of a foot-washing servant. You know what he calls of his people to be? Mimickers of that. When James writes his book, he says this, brothers and sisters, believers in their glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. 
Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have not you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James gets this. He actually takes the foot washing story of Jesus and applies it for us. He says, when you gather... This isn't about creating a hierarchy within the church of those that are special and those that are wonderful and those that should be looked after and those that should have reserved seats and those that should have reserved parking. I knew I was going to talk about this this morning and I had my car parked at the front door of church. So I raced out in worship and moved it because there's no special... I never parked there. It was just ironic that today I was unloading some stuff and forgot that I parked my car at the front and was going to talk about how no one in this church has special parking spots. (laughs) If we actually create a hierarchy that says just because you in culture's eyes are special, then in Christ's eyes you're going to be treated more special. We've missed the point of what Jesus calls us to be. Emptying ourselves is the example of Jesus and should be the very thing we encourage in each other too. As Peter says, Jesus, no, 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 that is below you. We cannot be that for each other. The thing we should be cheering on is not in a false humility sense, but how do we do better at applying the power that God's given us to serve? We should never be saying to each other, don't you do that, someone else will do that, you're beyond it. That's not the trajectory of Jesus, it is the trajectory of our culture. But there's something else powerful about this, Jesus is in a room with his 12 closest, and we can sometimes think that we do these things because they're tokenistic or because others are there to see. In other words, Jesus just does it as a little example and it's not really in his heart that this is the thing that he should do. It's like every time Jason Ellsmore, who's, if you're new to Gateway, Jason is our senior pastor, sits over uh, all of the campuses and all of what Gateway's doing and Jace visits down here three or four times a year and uh, I work really closely, we're very good friends. But every time Jason comes, a few... Um, gooses in this church is a nice way of saying point out that the only time they ever see me stacking chairs is when he's here (laughs) hey Justin (laughs) see we think Jesus might have just washed his disciples feet right because he knew this was going to get written about and he needed that story in the Bible to make sense of who he was but we get a sense it's really tokenistic but it's not because I mean on this night he washes his disciples feet on the next night he's stripped naked beaten and hung on a cross like washing dirt off someone's feet is nothing compared to what the next 24 hours are going to be for Jesus. This wasn't done for show. This wasn't done tokenistic way. And so the question I want to ask is, what are you willing to do when no one else is around, when no one's there to write about it, to talk about it, to see it? Do we do things to be seen or are we doing things because what it means to serve is to do things even when no one else but your Father in heaven's watching? See, serving is not about your image or about your reputation. I was reading in the scriptures a few weeks ago some words of Jesus, and this has taken on whole new meaning for me in recent times. He says in Matthew chapter 6, When you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. Truly, I tell you, they've already had their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing 
so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. Revolutionary teaching of Jesus. He says, you know what? We, we love to give and we love everybody to see it. We love our name to be plastered up and for everybody just to see what we've done. We love, you know, I love it for Jason to see me stacking the chairs and mopping the floor. And then when he goes, someone else can go and sort the rest of the mess. You know, like we can easily get trapped in this idea of we do things when others get to see them because then when others get to see them, suddenly they think more of us and, you know, they actually think we're a really wonderful person because of the way that we serve. But Jesus says, serve, but... But do you do it when no one's around and no one's seeing as well? Like to the point where your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing? I wonder if Jesus was teaching this today, if he'd say this. When, when you go and help a flood victim, or you clean out the house of someone in your congregation who's not doing well, or you help your neighbour, are you doing it with a selfie stick in your right hand? So that that night you can paste a hundred photos of you standing in front of someone else's devastation just so the rest of the world knows how wonderful a person you are because you went and helped the flood victims? Like, do, do, do you mop the floor and take a selfie of, hey, love my church? Or do you not let your right hand know? See, that's right to you. That's why I did that. That was preaching craft. Actually, I got mixed up. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. See, sometimes we serve with a selfie stick. But Jesus says, you know, when, I don't call you to serve when everyone else can see it. This is a lifestyle. This is a way of being. This is actually what it means to be my disciple. Jesus even takes it one step further. In Matthew chapter 5, he says this in the same sermon where he talks about don't let your left hand, right hand know what they're doing. He says this, you've heard it that it was said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. This is one of the most revolutionary teachings of all time spoken from the mouth of any person. The thought that we could even love our enemies. So Jesus, as he shares the Passover meal with his disciples, the Bible tells us that the evening meal is in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus takes a towel, puts it around his waist, fills a basin full of water and washes the feet of the man who will betray him to death. He even serves his enemy. Now we live in a culture that used to be apathetic towards faith but he's now moving towards being hostile towards Christian faith. Our culture used to be apathetic. In other words, you do what you do as long as you don't knock on my door and hand me anything, I'm all right with it, we'll be friends. That, that was the good old days. Now we live in a culture that in some circles is becoming hostile towards our faith. You know our temptation when we're confronted with something is to fight. But mine isn't to fight with fists, mine's to fight with words. Like I just want to outwit you in an argument and tell you how you've lost in that way. That's the temptation we've got when we're faced with hostility. But Jesus gives us another way. He washes the feet of the man that's about to betray him to death. I wonder if the way that we're going to reach our culture 
isn't by going into Facebook arguments, isn't going into battles on social media, isn't about yelling people down, isn't about trying to be the funniest, the quickest witted, the smartest, isn't by arguing, isn't by punching, it's by serving. I'm going to steal the story of someone here and I really apologise because I cannot remember who told me this. It was a couple of weeks ago, so please come and remind me so I can add the credit for next time I share it. But someone in here was sharing last week about how they went to Zarafas and the car behind them had been kind of abusing them and going crazy and they found themselves in the coffee line with that car behind them. So when they got to the window, they paid for their coffee and drove off. I just wonder if that's actually a picture of what Jesus wants us to do with those in our community that want to shout us down and tell us how terrible we are is not to start the argument, but to fill the basin with water. Our calling is to serve those whose love they can't return. Our calling is to serve even when it's not convenient. Our calling is to wash feet, even the feet of our enemies. I'm going to get the guys to come and join me. You know, the great challenge of this for me personally and for many of us here today is that sometimes we see the act of Jesus and it's contemporary expressions in our culture to be signs of weakness. And we don't want to be weak. But God, in this moment, teaches us something really important. Is that the choice to serve is actually the greatest show of strength that you can have. When you make the choice to serve, it is the greatest show of strength. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. I don't like feet, I don't like the thought of washing. But this is the way of Jesus. This is the way that we're going to bring healing and redemption to a broken world. Because it's the way that he brought healing and redemption to a broken world. Because as I said, the day after this, he was stripped naked, beaten, ridiculed, abandoned, and nailed to a rugged Roman cross. As Jesus walked out of this room with his disciples, the Easter story unfolds. King of glory, the King of heaven, the creator, God shows us just how far he is willing to wade into our mess so that we can be redeemed. The one who experienced all the worship and adoration of heaven was hung on a cross where he experienced the slander and words of an unruly crowd chanting crucify him. The one who sat in the most intimate of relationships and community with the Father God finds himself in a place of feeling completely and utter abandoned by all those close to him, even his father. The king of heaven that was clothed in glory now is stripped naked and put on a cross. The one who formed man in his own image is now beaten by the hands that he formed clenched into fists. This is the path of power that Jesus would step out of glory wade into the fullness of the human mess 
wade into the sewer of your sin so that because of his emptying of power to serve you out of love, you could be redeemed and forgiven. Jesus knew that God had put all things under his power. Let me read it again. That he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up, took off his outer clothing, wrapped his towel around the waist, poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. King Jesus wore no royal robes, but on the night before he died, he took off his outer clothing and knelt down to wash the feet of those who would desert him in a time of need. He's the king who came to serve and not be served. And this moment is a reflection of his whole life on earth. But more importantly, it reveals to us the glory of God because the knowledge of his divine position gave Jesus the security to know that to serve and to share in the divine nature is actually the thing that allows us to wash people's feet. This is what God is like. He washes feet, even the one of those who betray. And so he finishes with a challenge to us. He says to his disciples, now that I, the Lord, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. The king lays down his life for those he loves and he commands all those who enter his kingdom to carry a towel and a wash basin. The pathway to blessing in the kingdom of God is through humble service and laying down our life for the good of others. The king of love shows us the way of power. And it's with a towel and a wash basin. Maybe you're here today and you've never encountered the Easter story. It's a beautiful picture of the God of all glory and all power that stepped out of that to wade into your mess because he loved you so much that he came to serve you so that you could be redeemed. But if you're here and you're a person of faith, that's the life we're called to mimic. It's countercultural. It's hard. It's going to mean that you're going to do stuff when no one else sees. But it is the way that healing and redemption invade planet Earth. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we lift our eyes, we lift our hearts, we lift our gaze this morning the heavenlies where you are seated in all power and all glory Lord we believe your word you, you are the king of glory you are the creator God you are the one who is the king of kings and the lord of lords all things sit under your power nothing is greater than you nothing is more powerful than you nothing can defeat you death itself had no power or mastery over you Yet you chose to apply that power by emptying yourself of everything. Becoming a servant even to those that would betray you to death. And Lord, this morning, I just want to pray that those here that have never discovered the truth of that story for themselves would just discover the incredible sacrificial love of a God who stepped out of heaven so that their mess and brokenness could know your healing and redemption. And just while we pray this morning, I just wonder if there's anyone that's with us in this place today that's never had that full realisation of what Jesus has done for you. You know, the Bible says that we can choose to invite God to forgive us, ask Him to be our Lord and Saviour, and because of His love for us and His grace towards us, no matter where we've been or what we've done, 
He chooses to forgive us. And because of what He has done, He restores relationship between us and God. The Bible says very, very simply, if, if we want to experience that restored relationship, experience that moment of salvation, all we have to do is just acknowledge it and ask. And if you've never done that, I'd just love to give you the opportunity this morning while everyone else has just got their eyes closed and is praying. If you've never taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus, asking for his forgiveness and choosing to surrender your life to his lordship, I'd love just to pray for you and help you pray a prayer just to acknowledge that to God so that you may know his forgiveness and redemption for yourself and in your story. If that's you, I want to ask you right now to raise your hand. I'm not going to get you to do anything crazy. I'm just going to give you some words to pray. It's just a moment where I just want to pray with you. Is there anyone else here this morning that just wants to pray that prayer with me? Moment of redemption for you. Cool. Hey, Lord Jesus, help us mimic you. Help us take on your example and help us use whatever power it is that we have to serve and bless others. And in doing so, open the pathway for healing and redemption, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we stand on our feet today? We're just going to finish just declaring God's goodness. Just singing of how good God is. Why don't you just take a moment in light of all that you've heard, the picture of Jesus choosing to wash your feet, just to praise Him and worship Him this morning. Lift your eyes to heaven and give Him thanks for all that He is. Let's do that together. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.